Chapter 3 Thursday morning I arise with the sun. I'm in Ezra's yoga class by 6, buzzing with adrenaline and caffeine, ecstatic to begin my first official workday as Jake Easton's new assistant. By 9 I'm showered, spiffied up for Jake and ready to go. Four hours later I'm in my living room, trying to concentrate on the movie Barfly. Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway stumble around the screen in a drunken stupor, stealing corn. I'm on edge, awaiting Jake's call, afraid he's disappeared on me again. I'm tempted to pour a cocktail, but I don't. The phone rings. I feign nonchalance. Hello? Hey there, Jake drawls. Hi there. So I've been wondering, how does a beautiful blonde like you end up with a name like Cicely Tarantini? He enunciates my name with an Italian accent as a red flag slaps my face. I can't deny his attraction toward me, or the confusing chemistry I already feel. Shit. I'm a quarter Italian. I got the surname from my dad and the blonde hair from my mom. My paternal great-grandparents were from Sicily. My parents liked the name. Fascinating, Jake breathes. Did I catch you at a bad time? What are you doing? I'm waiting for you, and watching Barfly. Come on. What? You're watching Barfly? Is that strange? I wonder what Jake thinks of me. Does he think I'm smart, artistic, unique, funny, an alcoholic? I'm pretty sure you were watching Barfly the first time we spoke on the phone a few months back. There's a story here. I can tell. You remembered. My cheeks burn. I'm flattered, Jake. I pay attention to that which warrants attention, my dear. Back then I was reading Bukowski's Hollywood. Now I've finished the book and watched the film six or seven times. It's been playing in the background while I've been writing. Although today I'm waiting for you, watching Barfly and not writing. When a work of art resonates, I uh, stick with it a while so it seeps in. That's good to know. Jake takes his mental notes. So, you ready to get some work done today? I've been ready for hours, but before we start, I want to clarify your needs. Do you now? That sounds nice. Jake draws. I clear my throat. <clears throat> so, Rex told me you were looking for a songwriter's assistant who could perform light personal assistant duties about 15 hours a week for $15 an hour. Sounds about right, Jake confirms. I'd like a more detailed job description, please. Yeah, <laughs> he laughs. I guess you would want that. Well, uh, I've been looking for someone who can... He struggles to get the rest of his sentence out. Transcribe ten years of journal entries into a typed, easy-to-access format. So these are your poems and lyrics? I think you could call them that, at least I hope. Jake, this is right up my alley. I know I can help you. I should warn you. I can hardly read my writing. I'm not afraid. I'm not surprised. So how do we start? We've got errands to run while I'm in L.A. As you know, I'm living in Nashville, but... Still renting this devil's cabin in Nichols Canyon, so I spend time here. Most of my written material's back home, but some of it's here with me. It would be ideal for you to come to Nashville. But Rex would probably tell me that's not cost-effective. Yeah, I guess not. The red flag slaps me again, hard this time. I can't see myself flying off to Nashville to stay with this older man. He's a virtual stranger who's already hitting on me. However... In pursuit of my dreams, I find myself ignoring red flags on the rig, so what the hell? As if Jake reads my thoughts, he taps right into them. Well, 
beautiful, blonde Bukowski fan. I'm going to email you this instrument inventory so you can print it out for me. Then you can meet me at the car rental place. I'll return my rental and join you in your Lexus. We'll see where the road takes us. That sounds fabulous, I exhale, relieved I've skirted the topic of going to Nashville. At least we've scratched the surface of talking about Jake's writing. Pulling into the budget car rental at the intersection of Wilshire and Santa Monica in Beverly Hills, I watch Jake grab his coat from the backseat of a silver BMW SUV and stride into the office. Excited to see him, yet nervous as hell, I wait for him to finish his business. I've placed his instrument inventory on the passenger seat, printed neatly in a leather-bound folder, complete with pad of paper and pens. Thoroughly prepared to assist Jake Easton in any way he may need, I wear a perma-smile the size of Texas and a glorious glow from yoga. I've basked in a distinct feeling of lightness since our lunch at the sushi restaurant. My stomach quivers as Jake approaches my car with a mirroring smile and opens the door. He ducks his head in and our eyes lock. Hi. Hi. He settles into the passenger seat and inhales. Well, aren't you a breath of fresh air? It's the yoga. I start the car with shaky hands. I'm floating. I want to share my good vibes with Jake, but I don't want to let on there because of him. I know what you mean. I practiced an hour myself this morning. I raise my eyebrows. Is he trying to impress me? You did? Where? I mask skepticism. In the garden behind the devil's cabin. Where I went to pick up your cowboy hat. Precisely the place. It's a dark, dank little cabin in which I nearly suffocated writing last summer, but the garden out back is a spot I've always appreciated. It's an ideal place to practice yoga, nestled up against the canyon. An image of Jake and myself practicing yoga in the garden flashes through my mind like a spiritual lightning bolt. He continues. Have you eaten? Now I'm starving. What do you say we grab a bite and a few shots of caffeine? A few shots of caffeine? Is this older cowboy a yogi who shoots straight espresso exactly like I do? Espresso. Right on. I feign confidence even though I'm unsure about everything I'm feeling and doing. I'm especially insecure about my driving skills and my sense of direction. You direct. I'll drive, I tell Jake. Let's go to Barney's, he directs. We can kill two birds with one stone. I need to buy some shirts. My mind shoots straight to the dingy tennis shoes on my feet and the t-shirt and jeans in which I dressed to dig through Jake's storage unit. I gave up shopping a couple years back because of a lack of funds and a menacing credit card debt which had dissolved when I finally declared personal bankruptcy. I've been slowly and impatiently working toward the day when I can return to my love of it. The lack of shopping has left me with an emptiness that's hard to fill without money. Visiting places like Barney's, New York, Neiman Marcus, Saks, and Rodeo Drive makes me feel mangy and poverty-stricken. It's like untouchable candy in front of a kid's face. Los Angeles can suck the soul out of a girl and make her believe her worth depends on the value of her car or the designer of her jeans. I fight to rise above it, but sometimes it gets the best of me. Jake is impeccably dressed in his uniform, bootleg Levi's, a long-sleeved white button-up from Barney's, and custom cowboy boots that have changed hue and style since the day I met him. He's thrown a lightweight black coat in the back seat, in case he needs to go someplace that requires him to look presentable. It seems he only owns perfect items. I am grungy by comparison. 
I stop at a red light and glance at Jake leaning against the window. He gazes at me with a ridiculous grin. My insecurities jump on a trampoline in my gut, but Jake's expression tells me he's drinking me in, admiring me like he did at the sushi restaurant, and it gives me a thrill as I pull up to Barney's. Would you like me to valet? I feel foolish asking, but I don't have a dime and I'm uncomfortable assuming. I'll leave it up to you. Flustered and under the microscope, I wonder if he's mocking me. I eyeball the litany of luxury cars at the valet and jerk the wheel toward the parking structure instead. I take a ticket and I'm instantly lost. Around we go. I hate underground parking garages, and they're even more frustrating with a man in my passenger seat, especially when it's my first day on the job performing mystifying duties for the man and he's a somewhat sexy 58-year-old musical cowboy whom I wish to impress. Around we go. I'm a nervous wreck. By the time I settle on a parking spot, we've descended to the depths of hell. Christ, I had no idea all this existed down here. Jake's glee echoes in the cavernous garage. I throw up my hands. I feel like Dante with the poet Virgil, I blurt and burst into a defensive tirade. I may as well tell you, Jake, I'm flustered by parking garages. And as far as my driving goes, I'll drive you to the end of the world and back. But I drive how I drive, and that's the way it goes. My hands gesture frantically. I'm not a great driver, and most men aren't great passengers. Nor does the concept of me behind the wheel thrill them. So it's up to you. Jake holds back laughter and eyeballs me like I'm an exotic bird he's spotting for the first time on a bird-watching expedition. I yank my keys from the ignition and dangle them in front of Jake's face. You're more than welcome to take the keys any time. Jake plucks the keys from my fingers and wraps my hand in his. Really? You'd drive me to the end of the world and back? His grin looks as silly as I feel. You can laugh if you want. I snatch my hand away from him. I'm used to it. People laugh at me when I'm being serious all the time. I don't care. But I am serious about the driving. Jake's tone turns tender. I'm glad we got that resolved. It's important for our mission. He hands the keys back. You hold on to these for now. Nice job getting us here, Cicely. I relax. Inside Barney's, no matter how hard I try, I can't get my mind off my clothes. Deep down, I know what I'm wearing doesn't matter. But that doesn't ease my insecurity. Meanwhile, Jake watches me, and he doesn't give a shit about my clothes. It's more like he's observing me in public. Maybe he notices others noticing me. Maybe I'm projecting. As we walk through the department store and into the elevator, he falls back to walk behind me. I feel the weight of his stare. I like it as much as it makes me uncomfortable. As we enter the restaurant on the top floor, my eyes sweep the room. I notice the usual type A, A-list Los Angeles crowd. I've never been up to the restaurant, although, as an assistant, I've called in many reservations. I'd like that table right there, Jake tells the hostess, gesturing to a table in the corner surrounded by windows. It looks out over Wilshire Boulevard in the heart of Beverly Hills and is obviously the best table in the house. I'm sorry, sir. That table is most definitely reserved. Most definitely, Jake challenges. The hostess appears suddenly unsure of herself. Her eyes shift to me, giving me a snotty once-over. I look away. Most definitely. She holds her ground. Will you excuse us a second, Cicely? Jake asks. Of course. Jake motions the hostess to step away with him. They have a quick chat, and Jake waves to a gentleman in a dark suit. The gentleman is ecstatic to see him. They do a half-embrace, half-handshake as the hostess fidgets. 
The gentleman plucks two menus from the hostess stand and hands them to the deflated hostess, who leads us to the corner table. Is Jake always this fussy, or is he putting on a show for me? Once we're seated, Jake looks deep into my eyes. My heart cartwheels. Is there anything else I should know? He drawls. I'm not sure what you mean. If your driving bothers me, I'll tell you. Okay. You need not feel flustered with me, darling. You just gotta be yourself. If we're gonna work together, it's important you understand that. The weight of Jake's words forces me to look out the window. The little people below, hustling and bustling the streets of Beverly Hills, seem trivial, while this moment with Jake feels significant. We've got important ground to cover, he says. Maybe he's going to talk about his writing. I take a breath, gather my nerve, and look squarely at my new boss. I'm ready to face my destiny, just as the server approaches. Damn. I order a turkey sandwich, a glass of orange juice, and a double espresso. I'll have the same. Jake hands our menus to the server and turns his attention back to me. I like you. I already trust you. I knew when we spoke on the phone, and not just because you were highly recommended by Rex. Shit, I'm about to trust you with my writing. He's about to trust me with his writing. Yesterday I was telemarketing. Today I'm being paid to eat lunch at Barney's. What exactly did Rex tell Jake about me? Does Jake know Rex and I are no longer on speaking terms? Have they discussed me since the mishap? Is this connection going to greenlight my career or not? Jake already likes me, and he ordered exactly what I did for lunch. Getting in as a writer could lead to my dreams of movie stardom. Jake's an actor himself, even better. I'm accepting an Oscar in my mind as Jake continues. I haven't done this in years. I keep my writing close to me. He leans back in his chair. You don't have to say another word, Jake. I understand the sensitivity of the matter. Any words you have written, I'll type up for you. I'm a whiz at typing, editing, and formatting. But above all, I am a writer, and I identify with you. However long you take to hand me a single page of your writing, even a word, I will respect. I just want you to know, I would never disrespect your work, Jake. This is between you and me. I lock eyes with him so he understands it as our covenant. He's inviting me into an exclusive club. I couldn't ask for more. Jake touches my hand as the server approaches with our lunch. We chat while we eat, and as the server clears the table, Jake gestures toward his empty espresso cup. I'll take another, please. Is this guy serious? You? Jake asks. Un altro dobbio espresso? I question with my limited Italian. Having already drunk excess coffee this morning waiting for Jake's call, plus the double shot we took at the start of this meal, I need more caffeine like I need a hole in the head. Si, per favore. Yes, please. Grandma Viv taught my sister Hannah and me to drink coffee when we were little girls. A little coffee with lots of cream and sugar. As we grew older, Viv graduated us to straight shots of espresso. During a college semester abroad in Florence, I set my habit in stone. Along with the Florentines, I stepped into charming cafes, ordered un doppio espresso from the bar, slammed it, and rushed out to study. Other than members of my own family of addicts who use shots of caffeine like their lines of cocaine, I can't recall many people who take repetitive shots of espresso throughout their day in between yoga poses. It's been a heavy year for me, Jake sighs, pulling me out of my espresso reverie. 
My mother passed in February. My ex had a miscarriage. Both my dogs died. I sold my house. I haven't done much writing. Been feeling empty. Empty, but unchained. I take mental note of the ex-miscarriage bit of info. I'm sorry for your loss. Death is hard. I got my first taste when I was young. As I mentioned, my father passed when I was five. And my stepfather is sick with leukemia now. Surprised to hear my voice speak candidly about my father, I'm letting Jake know the least desirable course of action for me is to fall in love with a man twice my age. I frown. My poor mom. It's hard to watch her go through it again. I'm sorry to hear that. Jake squeezes my hand across the table, and it feels way too nice. I feel it between my legs. What the fuck? We're talking about death and endings here. He sums up the conversation. Here's to the flip side of both. He raises his espresso. To birth and new beginnings. I raise my cup and let out an accidental snort. Oops. I know what he's doing. Planting seeds of desire, which, I must admit, already desire to grow. I steer the flow of conversation because I know what I'm doing, too. Death's a lot different when you know it's coming, I say. Like with my stepfather's leukemia. My real father died of a drug overdose when he was 30. One minute he was alive and virile, had surfed that morning. The next he was dead. Jake stares at me. On a lighter note, yoga is preparation for death, I tell him. Oh, how so? I'm intrigued to hear your philosophy. It teaches us not to react, even in a challenging pose. We keep breathing. Even when faced with death, we breathe. Deep breathing makes it all more manageable and it keeps us rooted in the present moment. A smile softens my face. It's all about yoga, Jake, and the present moment. All roads lead right here. All roads lead right here. Jake bows his head. Namaste, and thank you for sharing. Namaste. May the light in me honor the light in you. I bow my head. After lunch, I get to watch Jake purchase five fresh shirts. I learned my new boss is always as particular as he was when he chose our first table. Barney's doesn't have in stock the precise shirts Jake fancies. They must be ordered from New York, so they can be shipped to L.A., so I can FedEx them to Nashville before Jake departs L.A. Never mind the shirts could be shipped directly to Jake's housekeeper in Nashville, making it easier for everyone concerned. Never mind Jake could take the shirts home in his suitcase. Never mind, Jake doesn't want to wear the shirts while he's in L.A. anyway. By the time we walk out the store, the salesman behind the counter is so fond of Jake, I figure the shirts will be delivered to the devil's cabin doorstep with a mint. He is difficultly charming. <laughs>